This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 28th, the Hygiene Isn't Negotiable edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the best advice show podcast, and I live in Detroit with my family. My daughter Noah is nearly five, and my son Ami is almost two. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 97, and we live in Los (laughs) Angeles. And I'm Autumn Brown. I'm the host of the podcast, How to Survive the End of the World. I live on Dakota and Anishinaabe land, also known as Minneapolis. And I am a single mama. I'm mom to Finn, who is almost 14. Siobhan, who just turned 12, and Maraid, who is nine. Welcome, Autumn. Something that I never say in my intro is that I also work on the show, How to Survive the End of the World. That's That's how I know Autumn. Autumn is my other Mr. Sister. Yeah. Other mother, brother. Other. Yeah, it's all of it. You're everything to me, Autumn. everything to you. (laughs) You're everything to me, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to finally have you as a guest. I just quickly wanted to say... On the show that Autumn co-hosts with her sister, it's not a parenting show, but just so frequently, Autumn's kids come up in conversation. And so I've been wanting to do this for for quite a while. Yes, uh, yes. It's true that the show is not about parenting, and I also am often holding forth about parenting. <laughs> you're in the right place. That's how uh, life works with kids. Mm-hmm. It's always about parenting. It's all lessons. <laughs> it's all lessons. True. Today, we've got Camp Custody Conundrum. Our letter writer has most of the custody over her two kids and her ex-wife has them one week day and one week night. So the issue is that the kids keep showing up to camp grimy and in the same clothes from the day before, despite having access to fresh clothing. Our letter writer is furious and considering revising the custody agreement over the lack of hygiene. Then on Slate Plus, with so many people across the country experiencing some very hot days, We're going to try to cool off a bit and brainstorm some fun things that we do with our families to escape the heat or deal with it. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. What we are doing to deal is eating a shit ton of watermelon. Ooh. One of the the great things. The best. And tonight I'm doing, I'm going to do a watermelon salad with nice fresh cherry tomatoes from the garden um, and feta. Okay. And watermelon and basil. I see you fruit in your salad. If you want a weekly bonus segment from us and your other Slate favorites, consider signing up for Slate Plus. You'll also get to listen ad-free and get unlimited access to the Slate website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will dive into triumphs and fails. We are back and going straight into sharing our parenting triumphs and fails from the past week. Autumn, what do you want to talk about today? Well, I was like, okay, I'm a guest. So am I really going to come with a fail? No, I'm going to come with a triumph. (laughs) Um, So it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes as a parent, you think to yourself, is this something I can attribute to my parenting or is this just my child having an amazing personality, right? And there's something that's kind of bittersweet about this too, where I was, this is just a few nights ago. Now that we live in our new house, um, all three of my kids have different bedrooms that has shifted our bedtime routine. So now Mm -hmm. it's really just my 
my older two kids, they're both like fully in teenage mode. And so at night, they really just want like hug and a kiss and then they close their door. And so really, it's just my youngest, Maraid, who really has more of the bedtime ritual now, because I'll still go into her room and read her a book and then sing her a lullaby before I tuck her in. Hmm. But the other two have kind of aged out of it. But what happened the other night is... I was getting um, my middle child, Siobhan, settled in in her bedroom. And then I walked into Maraid's room and found that my oldest child, Finn, was tucking Maraid into bed. Oh, oh my God. I had never seen Finn do that before. But there was something that was clearly so practiced about it that it, it cued me. I was like, oh, you've done this before with her. And then I realized that Finn was probably regularly tucking Marie into bed while they're at their other parents' household. And I asked them, I was like, hey, do you do this when you're at dad's? And Finn was like, yeah, sometimes. And it was just really bittersweet about about all of that, right? About being like, oh yeah, y'all have a whole different bedtime process at your other Mm -hmm. household that I have no view into. Um, And part of that bedtime process clearly now involves like the oldest child taking care of the youngest. But then there was also something that was just so beautiful just to witness that, oh, this is something that Finn is like taking it upon themselves to do to ensure that Maraid is still having that bedtime ritual experience. And now they have so much ease in the dynamic that it can happen at like both households. That's good. That's yeah. so sweet and so nice. What did you see? So what magical. did you see them doing together? Finn had like escorted Maraid into their bedroom and was sort of like, tickling them and snuggling with them, like tucked them into their, like literally put the, you know, Maraid got into bed and Finn like took the blanket and put it over Maraid and kissed her on the forehead. Like it was very like parental, you know, (laughs) it was very, very parental. Yeah. It's just very, very sweet. That's a triumph, Autumn. Yeah. It feels like a major triumph of just like, I mean, Finn, Finn is also like, has a very, very special personality, like is a, un- for especially for a teenager, is like uniquely compassionate, empathetic, curious about other people's emotions, wanting to take care of people. Like that's always been true. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool to see as they get older, because they're, you know, 13 going on 14, that they only seem to be increasing in their like sense of care and responsibility. You know, rather than like the teenage kind of like, nah, 100%. I can only hope that Noah does that without me one day. Oh, it will happen. Um, How about you, Jamila? What have you got to share? Well, my triumph this week was related to my birthday, which was on Friday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, COVID kind of like destroyed my will to like really celebrate birthdays like over the past three years like i ended up finding some stuff to get into for friday night or whatever um went to like a little museum event and out for drinks it was fine and i ended up having naima on saturday and sunday because her dad had to go out of town unexpectedly so i wasn't able to like try to go partying or anything like Mm -hmm. that um 
So I was trying to figure out, like, what could I do that would be, like, special for us? Because, like, it was not about me. It was about Naima celebrating my birthday with me, which kind of almost becomes, like, another birthday for Naima. The more I, like, and now that I say it out loud, I'm like, this doesn't sound healthy, you know. But, but, you know, I felt like I really had to give her a good time. Like, I had to make sure she really enjoyed my birthday. And so we ended up, uh, I ended up getting us a night at one of our favorite hotels highly recommend the sheridan gateway it is the airport sheridan lax and we stayed there a lot when we were moving to la so like when i was in new york and she was in la i I would stay there and she'd come stay with me so like it's a special place for us you know um yeah it was bustling this weekend because they had a conference so we didn't expect you know competition for the pool because usually it's like the chillest pool no one is in it But it was still a great time. We really enjoyed ourselves. So my triumph is that I showed Naima a darn good time on my birthday. She got to order barbecue wings. She was a happy camper. That's fun. And I don't think it's I don't think it's unhealthy because it sounds like this is something that you were also into. It was like a mutual fun thing. It was, you know, like Or did it or did it actually feel sacrificial? Like I don't want to put words into your mouth. No, it didn't feel sacrificial at all. It was fun. So we got some hot tub time. My daughter's a hot tub child. Like forget a pool. She wants to get in the hot tub. <laughs> I have one of those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> hot tub child. Is, yes. That should be the name of something. That is the name of something. Happy belated. That sounds nice. Thank you. What about you, Zach? Have you triumphed? Have you failed? It's always in the middle with me, I think, with us humans in general. But uh-huh. I think this first one's a triumph. This is No, this first one's definitely a triumph. I was reporting in the last couple of weeks how Noah wasn't adjusting particularly well to camp mm-hmm. in ways where she was totally cool with getting dropped off at school but wasn't for camp. And I was worried, like, oh, no, is she just not going to be okay at camp? She seems to be doing much better this week. That's she's not good. thrilled, but she's doing a lot better. And I just picked her up before we started recording today. And I was asking her about her day. And she reports that this one kid, you know, this is a bunch of five-year-olds sitting around. This one kid says about another kid, I don't care about them. I just care about, you know, these two other friends, which is just like, yeah, it doesn't sound like a particularly kind thing for this kid to say. And I said, oh, whoa, no, that's, what did, what did you say? I just told her to chill out. <laughs> no, I just apparently told this girl, chill out. Chill out. Just chill out. I'm like, oh my god, that seems that seems kind of badass. Perfect so, response. Yeah. So, so I loved that. It's also a way of staying out of the drama. Yeah. Like staying yes. neutral. Mm-hmm. Just, okay. Hey, relax. I like that frame. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> it serves yeah. a lot of purposes. Like socially, it really it's does. a really good like safe phrase. Oh, good. I'm glad that this um, resonates. In, oh, with it's you. perfect. Yes. It's okay. actually I mean, I really, it was really like yeah, diplomatic. So that happened. And then just quickly, uh, my my son, Ami, who's almost two, started climbing out of the crib. Just climbing oh, out. No. Oh, wow. And the other night, I put him down and I came up an hour later upstairs and I just seemed like standing in the hall. Just <gasps> freaking me out. But he is no longer in his crib because I don't want him to crack his head open. Yeah, I know. And so I disassembled the crib the following morning. And now we are just adjusting to that new bed life. We've got his crib mattress just on the corner and his floor, and he's been waking up earlier than he normally does. He's been having a harder time going down, but I think that it's temporary. That's what they tell me. Oh, yeah. It's just an adjustment. 
And that you made the right move. I remember when Maraid started climbing out of her crib that one night I woke up to the sound of a slamming on the mm. floor and then mm. screeching wailing because she had like thrown herself out and landed face first. Oh, oh my it gosh. It was awful, oh. awful. Blood all over the nose. Oh. and Like it was awful. It must be happening all the time. It oh yeah. Because the kids it's are just, so just decide when they're ready. Yeah. And then they just climb cribs, out. Cribs are so weirdly dangerous actually. <laughs> it's like weird. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a scary moment, and I'm glad we were able to avoid that. So um, he's Good on job. his way to, to this next um, sleeping chapter. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think mattress on the floor. Now that you mentioned that, I'm like, why didn't we do that? That makes so much more so sense. much safer. That's it's so much safer. Too. It's cozy. You can put, like you can make it very plush over there. You know, like because they can have a blanket now. Yeah, yeah that is the safe. That is safe and smart. Yeah. Let's take another quick break. And when we come back, we will get into today's listener question. All right. Today's listener question is being read, as always, by the wonderful Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad, I'm looking for some perspective for my lackluster co-parenting relationship with my ex-wife. I'm the mom of two kids who are eight and five, and I have the lion's share of custody. My ex-wife has them for one weekday overnight and one weekend overnight. They always come back in the clothes that they were wearing the day before, despite her having changes of clothes for them. Not optimal, but eh, they do get baths when they're with me. This summer, they're at outdoor day camp all day. The area does have ticks and poison oak, plus the kids are super grimy after a full day of hiking and water play and whatever else. I reiterated to my ex that they absolutely need a bath every night after camp. The camp recommends they do a tick check every evening and plus they should clean off all the dirt. She gave them a bath the first week, forgot the second week despite a reminder, and this week she gave only one of the kids a bath and they were both sent to camp in what they were wearing yesterday and slept in. At this point I'm wondering, is this my hill to die on? I'm stuck on the failure to provide basic hygiene as neglect. I'm considering revisiting the custody agreement over this. Am I overreacting? Underreacting? What would you do? Yes, I reiterated the expectation that they get basic freaking hygiene in her care. She gave a vague agreement to try to do better. Help. Trying to keep it clean. What are you feeling, Autumn? Wow. It takes me right back. Um, the first thing I wanted to name is I think different cultural contexts, different class contexts, and different family systems have really different orientations to hygiene. And this is something that I had to be reminded of many, many, many times over the course of the early months and years of, of splitting with my ex-husband. There was a zoom out thing that I wanted to offer to trying to keep it clean, which is, you know, bear in mind that your children are actually fine, (laughs) right? Like actually your kids are fine. You know, this is annoying. This is frustrating. This is very, very stupid that it's happening and your children are not in danger. You know, so my experience with this is really you know, in the same context of having to co-parent, having to share custody. Um, I remember in the first year after my ex-husband and I separated, 
We were still sharing the home that we had lived in together with our kids, but we were taking turns living there with our children, which is called nesting. And I would come back after a week and my kids would not have been bathed and their hair had not been brushed. And also the house was usually like an absolute mess. Like I would have to spend like a whole... (laughs) like our cleaning just Mm -hmm. to get it manageable. Right. And my kids all have really curly hair. So like, you know, them not having their hair brushed for a week and not being cleaned is like pretty significant. And it was really, really hard because it became one of those things where it was a trigger for me. And it also was an unchanging dynamic, right? What I figured out, and this might be harder for trying to keep it clean given the ages that the children are eight and five, but it's not impossible. But what I figured out is that it was really important for me to vest my children with the agency to bathe themselves or to advocate for their bathing time as a part of their custody time with their dad, right? That, and especially as your kids age into like teenage years, it's really important that they start to sort of track for themselves when they need to bathe. It is often the case when you're dealing with a shared custody scenario where there are really, really different expectations between the two different households and perhaps even like just differences in like executive functioning and the ability to manage a home. Cause that's also part of what maybe is happening here. I mean, I can't know, mm-hmm. we can't know what the circumstances really are, but oftentimes you might have two different parents who are resourced really differently to manage the care of children. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a situation like that, it becomes, I think really important to basically support the children to have agency over their own bodies or to be able to advocate for their own needs. I think the other thing that I'll say just about the legal component of this is that what you and I might identify as neglect versus what a court would identify as neglect is really, really different. And so, you know, to trying to keep it clean, I wouldn't recommend attempting a revision of a custody agreement over this because it will be thousands of dollars And if your co-parent is in any way litigious or not amenable, then it will be wasted money, unfortunately, (laughs) because the likelihood that a court would see what you see as neglect is not very high. Like you have to meet a pretty high standard. Autumn talks me down a little bit because I can't help (laughs) but to have an immediate reaction to the idea of these dirty children, you know, and I say this as somebody who has just been too exhausted for bad time. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I get that that happens, but there are things that you do. You wash up, you know, and, and you can't do that after outdoor camp. Right. So. During the summer, we are getting all of our baths and showers, right? Like, that is important. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, Autumn, you said so much um, that I agree with. I'm just reiterating the importance of getting your kids to advocate for their baths, you know, which puts them in a difficult position. You can even acknowledge that, that I'm sorry, you know, that you have to do this, but it's really important, you know, and and make them see the stakes, you know, talk to them about getting sick and, Mm -hmm. you know, just Mm -hmm. or, or having a reputation of smelling bad and that that's just something that they don't have to experience. And so they needn't. You know, um, I think you might want to invest in some deodorant for the eight year old and send that over there, 
because eight-year-olds can get kind of funky sometimes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I don't expect that your co-parent is going to provide that. I want to know, are there other things going on, you know, because like mm-hmm. people, I don't know your ex's relationship to hygiene because you can have everything else in your life together and just have like poor hygiene, right. you know, right. like that describes people. Um <laughs> But like, that's a description of humans. That's a description that is, of humans. That is a description. You know, like, are they eating well? Are they sleeping correctly? Yeah. Do they have yeah. good sleeping accommodations? You know, um, whether this is a matter of this person being overwhelmed by the act of parenting, which they're doing two nights a week. If they're overwhelmed by that, you know, question mark, question mark, question mark. Um but I, I, I think you're not saying anything about resources other than they have clothes. If they're struggling with something, you know, like that needs to be identified. Um, yeah. And it's kind of difficult for you to identify what that might be from afar. But, you know, listen to your children. Start asking pointed questions about what's going on, you know, over there and just get them comfortable talking about it. And, you know, stay away from the court. You know, until you absolutely have to be there. But stay on top of your ex about this as well. You know, let them know this is not a negotiable and you will be a pain in the ass. You will text, you know, if you're allowed to text and call, you know, or follow up, like you can send an evening text, you know, like you can text bath time. Right. at mm-hmm. bath time every night. Put a reminder in your phone that you check in. Just say, hey, it's bath time. I know you can get busy. Just want to send you a reminder and send the same text every single week. Yeah. I wonder, too, what the motivation is. Is there any way that this is just like awful passive aggression and that like I could be bathing my kids, but I'm not because it's pissing you off? Or is it, you know, all these other reasons that, that you mentioned, like, you know, overwhelm, um, culture whatever else i'd be curious it's not noble for us but it might be noble for you what the intention is behind um Mm. this yeah and unfortunately there are co-parents out there who will engage in that kind of neglectful behavior specifically because of the fact that they know it will draw the other parent into conflict one of the things that's so challenging in co-parenting across households where where that kind of behavior exists is that most of the divorce related resources out there in the world um, are written for scenarios where both co-parents have the children's best interests in mind and where both co-parents are showing up in good faith to the relationship. And so Mm -hmm. if you're dealing with a situation where you're, where your co-parent is weaponizing some element of child rearing or caregiving to draw you into conflict, then part of the work is also figuring out how do I stay grounded and rooted and not pulled into conflict that's over something that actually is not that important in the long run. I wouldn't die on the hill of hygiene, personally. The hill of hygiene is also the name of something. It is so, also so far we've the, got child a- hot tub and, <laughs> oh, and this one. So also just a, a quick point to what you said, Jamila, uh, get deodorant for your kid. Better yet, take them to the drugstore and give them the fun sensation of picking out deodorant um, rather than saying, here, wear this, go to the store. Deodorants are, I love deodorant shopping. I don't know about you all, but I like wow. to pop the cap off and give it a whiff. That is so this good is, to know about you, Zach. You were talking about your kid's period. I thought I had to 
go there. My intimate talk with go uh, there. Some, uh, some armpit work. I'm going to like send you a Walgreens gift certificate for your next birthday. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. I will have a great time there. Thank you in advance. Well, trying to keep it clean. I hope some of this advice helped. If anyone else has thoughts on how to help out, write to us. You can also email us with your parenting questions at slate.com. And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday. Uh, with Autumn back. I'm very excited for this two-parter with the great Autumn Brown. Autumn, thank you for joining us. Listeners, be sure to tune in. While you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Christy Taiwo Macajula. For Autumn Brown and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, thanks for sticking with us. Let's keep this going. We are in peak, just awful, awful hot time of year. How are you both doing with the heat, like dealing with it on a day-to-day, but also just like knowing that it's like 130, you know, in, in New Delhi and there's just like, you know, no respite from it. Just like knowing that that heat apocalypse is, is happening too, I think is part of part of the summer. I'm disconnected from this largely because it's not hot here. Oh. This week, it's going to In be... In LA, it's not hot? It's not hot. We haven't experienced yeah. any of what you all have. Like, I think the hottest it's been is 84 or 85. Wow. You know, and that's not daily. You know what I mean? We're not at that point in the summer yet. Like, usually I think it's supposed to be warmer than this. Like, every L.A. summer feels like a a mystery to me. Like, this is my third one. But, like, COVID has, you know, impacted them all. So this is my first one where, like, I'm truly outside. And I'm like, sure seems like I wear a jacket at night rather often. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) it's still cold at night. And, like, I'm looking at the forecast for this week. And the high, the highest the hottest it's going to be is 81 and like 60 at night. That's nice. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for that. I love a, I love a, a sweatshirt at night in the summer. I, Ooh, I'm, I no, that. I, I want to wear my shorts at night and just like wear like summer clothes at night. I want to wear a sundress at night. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not fair, but I'm freaking out about the rest of the planet, of course. Wow. I, it's like finally a reason to move to L.A., Finally, um, yes. If you, if you want mild weather, come mild to LA. weather. It's always spring in LA. Yeah, wow. We are having respite in Minnesota from what has been a couple of weeks now of really extreme, dangerous heat. There was a few years where my sister Adrian and I would make this joke to each other that, oh, it's the golden age of global warming. You know, it's like the the part of it that's fun. And I think (laughs) looking around this year, it's like, oh, we've officially entered the phase that's no longer the golden age of global warming. Like, it's not fun anymore. Um, (laughs) um, Things are just getting more and more extreme. And I think it is really it's of course, really disturbing and scary to look around and, you know, to hear about the melting tarmacs in London and, you know, train lines where their rails are buckling from the heat because because in so many parts of the world, there's just not infrastructure to deal with the level of heat. And of course- But also birds just dropping from the sky. Yeah, I mean, it's scary. It's really scary. And and I think like the sci-fi lover in me is like, you know, 
what, where is the turning point where we actually start to have like a ubiquitous distribution of the technologies and infrastructures that would actually make this, this kind of climate survivable to humans? Because it's not Mm -hmm. like we don't, it's not like we can't create that. It's just that the engine of capitalism doesn't give a shit about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's a little despair in it, of course. Um, For me, I just bought a house in Minnesota and it's an old house. It's a historic home. It's like 136 years old. And it means that even on really hot days, I'm mostly able to manage the temperature inside my house through like old school heat management, which is like you have all of the doors going up to the third floor open and windows open on the third floor. And then hmm. all of the windows on the main floor are closed hmm. and the heat just just keeps like rising up and escaping through the top of the house. And as long as you have fans going and circulating, like you can actually keep it really manageable. Um, And I mean, and we do have it because it's an old house, there's no central air. So we have, we do have window AC units in just in the bedrooms, but that's the only AC we have in the house. They're off during the day, right? So it's otherwise we're just using fans and good old natural you know, physics. And then for me, the other big move that I do and that I also have my kids do occasionally is just like shower before going to bed because it's like, because I just get to that point where I'm like, I'm going to accept that my clothes are going to feel drenched and disgusting all day, that I'm just going to be sitting in a pool of my own sweat all day long. And then, but I know that at the end of the night, I will have a moment Mm. of feeling fresh right before I slide into my covers and that's worth everything. 100%. What about you, Zach? I do that too, because we have the same bedroom AC only um, situation as you. And yeah, taking a shower and then doing the last minute, like as cold as you can stand, that'll mm-hmm. that'll shock you in a fun way. Yeah. But what we are doing to deal is eating a shit ton of watermelon. Ooh. Which is mm. one, one, of the, one of the great things. The best. And tonight I'm doing, I'm going to do a watermelon salad with nice fresh cherry tomatoes from the garden um and feta Mm. okay and watermelon and basil i see you fruit in your salad are you gonna will there be a dressing i think there should be what do you think i don't know i was trying to figure out what would play nicely with it that's such a good combination of flavors Mm. what about like a honey balsamic vinaigrette situation that sounds good Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm a balsamic reduction if I'm really getting serious, Ooh. but I'm going to be completely wow. honest. I've never actually made a balsamic reduction. I've never done that I don't want to get credit for that. Me neither. <laughs> oh, the um, other... Maybe no, and I will try the it. The other strategy that I just picked up from a coworker is getting... There's, you can get these little, like, size of your hand ice packs that are in cute shapes, like donuts and flowers and things and you throw mm-hmm. them in the freezer. They freeze really quickly and then you can just press them to different parts of your body. You know, hmm. I'll put a donut on my neck. I, yeah, I'll walk around with a little donut for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. It does. And a washcloth on the forehead is also can be lovely yeah. too. And also, just running your feet under cold water can do wonders. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. Slate Plus, thanks for joining us, and be sure to join us on Monday for a regular show and Thursday for another bonus segment. Bye. 